How are we going, church? Good to see you. Turn to your neighbor, give them a high five. So it's good to be in church with you today. And if it's not, just pretend that it is. It's good to be with them, and I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Hey, man, it's so exciting to be having baptisms today. Oh, yeah, it's warm. At the top, it's warm. As you work your way down, it may be a little cooler, but that's all right. We're, uh, we're excited, man. It's such a great, uh, it's always a great celebration, um, baptisms. Uh, I don't know about you, but I often find myself in this space where I am rushing around trying to get the kids to somewhere or to do something, whether it's off to bed or into the shower or off to school or to the sports game or whatever it is. And, and we're just like, hey, come on. And I become a bit like a drill ma- sergeant major. I'm coming, put your shoes on. Come on, get, get your jacket. Don't leave that there. Come on, where's your coat? Where's your lunch? Have you got your food? Go back to, and, and is this just me? It's just, oh, it's one other honest person. The rest of you are saints, are you? Come on, the rest of you are, are just lying to me. Uh, I, I, I catch myself in there. And sometimes, sometimes it's justified because sometimes, like I have one daughter in particular who, who's, who's speed setting I, I, is, is, is set permanently to sloth mode. Like she, she just, she doesn't have, and you like, you go, okay, go faster. And it's the same speed. You're like, no, 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 faster? Yep, same speed. It just doesn't change. Until, until she gets to go on a special trip to Christchurch, which leaves it like she, we need to leave uh, to, to get the bus at 8 o'clock. 7 a.m., she's dressed, had her breakfast, lunch is made, and she's ready. I'm like, what? How did how, this, what's this alternate reality I'm living in right now? This is crazy. And I, I mean, she's kind of shot herself in the foot because I know now that she can do these miracles. Um, but, and they could, be, they could be my reality. But many, many nights I catch myself, you know, herding the kids into the shower and trying to get them sorted and rushing around and being a bit grumpy with them. And then, and then I realize, actually, what's the hurry? Like, yes, they need to go to bed, but actually, it's only 6.30, <laughs> and like, they don't need to go to bed yet, and actually, I'm rushing around, and I'm in this space, and uh, my life, like, it's funny, like, uh, it was only yesterday that Ruby, my eldest, was born, and now she's 11, and uh, sitting up there doing the PowerPoint, thanks, Rubes, uh, shout out to kids in church doing stuff, <laughs> She just does it because her dad asks. You're awesome, Ruby. Um, but I realized, actually, I need to spend some more time. I need to actually take joy in my kids. See, there's kind of two categories that we divide our lives into. It's kind of like the living, the stuff we enjoy, and the waiting to live. The waiting for And what, what happens is that, you know, 5% of the time is the stuff we want to do. Um, 95% of the time is the traveling and the waiting and the eating and the preparing and the getting ready and the, and the working and uh, all that stuff. And if we just choose to, to live in that mentality that, oh, just, I just live for that moment, that moment when I get to sit down, that moment when I get to watch TV, that moment when I get to go for a game of golf or whatever it is you want to do, 
then you, you waste the rest of your life. Actually, what God has, we're actually just kind of, we're kind of killing ourselves slowly by just killing time and, and our lives. And we, we're not fully present. We're often impatient. We're not aware of God and we're not ready for Him to use us or to speak into our lives. Joy is squeezed out by our fast-paced, focused, um, self-centered world. Because the very thing that keeps us from experiencing joy is actually a preoccupation with doing all this stuff and making things happen. And, and often our preoccupation with ourselves. And actually, this one thing that having kids has taught me is just taking the joy in the moment. Just the joy to, to give a little kid a hug. Just the, the joy to, 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 that, they, that they find in life. Like the, the reason they're, they're, they're not getting ready at the same speed as I am, or that I want to, it's because they're having fun. <laughs> because they're actually taking joy in the moment. They're actually playing games with one another, or they're reading a book, or they're doing something that they enjoy. And they're actually, they're, they've got this far more than us adults. Somewhere along the line, we, we lose track of the joy that is inherent in life and that we are supposed to carry all through life. And we think that becoming an adult and getting older means that we have to get real serious and we have to be, you know, doing important things. You know, actually, C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is the serious business of heaven. Kids have a fierce, unparalleled joy that is just, it's contagious. And when you get down to the level and you join in, you realize, hey, this is great. I should do this more often. As the Apostle Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You see, when God created the world, He did it with joy. He didn't do it because it was a chore. It was a task that He had to do. He did it because he enjoyed it. Every, after every act, he said, it is good. After he created us, he said, man, it's very good. You know, Jesus, well, in one sense, he's a man of sorrows, and he, he, he knew pain. Also, his coming into the world was heralded with great joy. And he brought joy wherever he went by healing, by setting people free. He was a joy bringer. And when teaching on obedience, Jesus told his disciples, in John 15, 11, he said, I have said these things to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That your joy may be complete. That's what God wants for us. And sadly, today in the church, often joy can be a bit lacking. You know, I meet too many Christians who kind of have a bit of a complaining, whining, slightly cynical kind of spirit. Or they, like I said, they're just speeding past the world and getting through stuff as if it's something they've got to catch up on. <laughs> They'll catch up on it when they die. Uh, now you might go, what has this got to do with series, Practice Makes Progress? Well, it's got everything to do with it because you see, for us to develop joy in our world, we actually need to put it into practice. We actually need to practice it. Because it's not something we're very good at, we need to practice. And the practice that we need to put into our lives to get joy in it is the practice of celebration. The practice of celebration. Celebrate good time. 
It's a celebration. Yeah, come on. Some of you are getting that. Uh, my wife, good on you. Thanks, man. Uh, the celebration and discipline. You might think, you know, um, joy is just something some people have and other people don't. But actually, no, joy, joy is something you can cultivate in yourself. It's something, it's a grace. It's from God. He brings it. But also, it's something that we need to reach out and we need to practice. It's like all these practices is that there's a grace to them. God provides, you know, He provides His Word. He provides a relationship for prayer. He provides everything we need. But, but also, we need to take hold of it. And to take hold of the joy of God in our lives, we need to start to celebrate. We need to learn how to celebrate. Joy is essential, and we've got to get this. Joy is essential because without joy, we're weak. Without joy, see, all, if we do all the other practices, but we have no joy in God, actually, we're weak in Him. The Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord is our, what? Our strength. So if you don't have the joy of the Lord, you are weak. Yeah, it makes sense, hey, basic logic. Now, it's really important. That, that passage is from a book called Nehemiah. And uh, Nehemiah is in the Old Testament. Um, it's a story of uh, the Israelites. So they were the, the chosen people of God for that time. We are now, we've been invited into that story by Jesus. But back in that day, the Israelites were in captivity. They were in Babylon. And they, they were in exile. And they came out of exile back to their promised land, back to uh, Israel. And they came back to Jerusalem and they were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, their, their city, their capital city. Their, they were rebuilding the temple. Uh, and, and in doing that, Nehemiah was leading them. In doing that, they find the scriptures. They basically find the Bible again. They find, uh, and they start to read it. And actually they spend, it says uh, Nehemiah 8, they spend from sunrise to noon just listening to it being read. So that's probably at least five hours. So I've got another, ooh, yeah, four and three quarters uh, for you guys today. Um, but they, and the people started grieving because they, they heard the words and they're like, man, we're so far away from God. We're, we've fallen so far short of who we are supposed to be, of what we are called to be. And, and, they, and they were getting, it says they were grieving. But Nehemiah stops him. And this is where this verse comes in. Nehemiah 8, verse 10. Nehemiah said, I'll put it out there, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, if we think about that in the, and, and we parallel it to our lives today, you see, when we look at the holiness of God, when we look at what God has for us, and when we realize how far we are from Him, how broken we are, how, how caught up in our own selfishness and lust and pride and greed and, and just basic sinfulness, it's easy to be like the people of Israel and go, oh, man. I fall, I fall so short of, of what I could be, of who God's called me to be. And it's easy to get, to get down on yourself and, and be like, like those, those Israelites because we're just so far from where we should be. And it's in that point that God actually says, no, no, 
Find joy in me. Rejoice in me. Rejoice in what I have done. Rejoice in who I am. Because in that place, what happens is that when you get all focused on the stuff you've done wrong and how broken you are, and, and, and there's, you know, we talked about this the other week, how there is a godly repentance that when you, when you, a godly sorrow that when, when you feel bad about something and it leads you to repentance, it leads you to change, that is healthy. But too often we get into this ungodly sorrow where we just feel bad and we just get focused on ourselves and, and our brokenness. And, but actually, in that place, God says, no, no, rejoice. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Because when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling hard on myself, when I'm feeling hopeless, that's when I'm weakest. That's when I'm least able to overcome the enemy. That's when I'm, I'm least able to, to be of any use to God or the people around me. That's when I'm least loving towards my family, when I'm most self-focused and self-absorbed. And actually, it's in that moment that I need to turn my eyes to Jesus and just thank Him and praise Him and rejoice. So what we need to do is we need to cultivate joy in our, in our hearts because God has joy for us. And it's not, it's not a joy that is based in what the world would say makes you happy. It's not based on your, your, your possessions. It's not based on your, your status, on your achievements. It's not based on even on your relationships with other people. It's a joy that's deeper than all of those. It's a joy that comes from God. It's a joy that comes from knowing Him. Joy in Him, the joy of the Lord, is our strength. Agnes Sanford said, and she was a, um, a biblical teacher um, back in the day, she said, on one of my most joyful and therefore my most powerful days, and then she went on and said, but did you get that? On one of my most joyful and therefore my most powerful Day. So when you are most joyful, when God is working in you the most, you are the most powerful in Him. And, and we've just got to realize this, and then we've got to take some steps towards it. So you ready to learn some steps towards it today, church? Awesome. Cool. Who wants to be more joyful? The rest of you are just so bubbling, overflowing with joy that you don't need to be any more joyful. I, I get it. I get it. I see what you did there. That's good. All right. So number one. How we produce genuine joy, number one, is we practice obedience. <laughs> oh, I thought it would be something easy. Gosh, we practice obedience. See, Luke 11 says this in verse 27. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So it's actually better to live in obedience than to be the mother of the Messiah. Wow. Yeah. Tell that to the Catholics. Oh, but, <laughs> but you know what? That's what Jesus said. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. See, when we are obedient, joy just comes. It's, it's, it's funny, there is, there is joy through obedience to Jesus and joy results from obedience to Jesus. They go hand in hand. You see, when we chase after happiness, how many of you know if you, just, you live a life chasing happiness, it will just slip through your hands. You can never actually attain it. You're always just, ah, oh, oh, that'll make me happy. 
oh, if I have that thing, it'll make, oh, if I have that relationship, oh, if I go to this country, or if I experience this, you'll be chasing it the rest of your life. But when you chase Jesus, you find joy in his presence. And there is, I mean, I'm 39 years old, and I have found that the joy of the Lord in my heart that, that goes beyond my marriage goes beyond my my kids goes beyond my work goes beyond my bike riding even it goes beyond all those things oh even 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 that <laughs> see joy is not found in you know singing a particular song in church or getting to the right place and and or even moving in the gifts of the of the spirit all those things you know they're good but joy is found in obedience to Jesus Joy is the end result of these spiritual disciplines or practices. We've got another, um, our series isn't finished yet, but this should be the last one because because it is, it's the culmination of it all. When God is transforming your life, joy is happening. When God is changing you and growing you, there is joy in that process. So the first one is we just need to practice obedience. I say just. It's not that easy though, is it? Number two is we need to practice small celebrations. Practice small celebrations. Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. We've got to learn to rejoice in the little things. It's like I was saying with the kids. Man, they're just, they're just happy to be alive. They're just stoked that you walked in the room. They're just happy that they've got this game, imaginary game that they're playing. We've got to learn to rejoice in the little things. A hug from a child, a, a, a joke shared with a friend, a, a meal, a nice meal, hopefully. <laughs> uh, you know, just a, a beautiful flower in a garden, a, a, good, a good bike ride or a run or a cozy fire on a rainy night. Just the little things. We need to take joy in them. Paul later says in Philippians 4, uh, verse 12, he says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. It says it's not about what you have or you don't have. You won't find joy in anything external. Actually, you find it from choosing to recognize the joyful things in your world. You find it in choosing to man go, oh, I'm so blessed to live in this time and place. I'm so blessed to have these people in my life. I'm so blessed to have food in my belly and a roof over my head. I'm so blessed to have this job. I'm so blessed to be able to, you know, whatever it is, to be able to walk down the street. I'm so blessed. And we need to just start to celebrate those little things. Paul actually gives us a list of things in in the same chapter and going back a little bit in verse 8. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, you might think, oh, this is a very simple message, Dave. You're just saying just focus on the good stuff. Don't think about the bad stuff. Accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative. Don't mess with Mr. in between. Uh, kind of, because there is truth in that. 
there is power in that. Like, it, 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 it may seem very simplistic, but I actually think it's very powerful and very godly. Paul right there in the scripture is saying, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about that. Just dwell on the good things. Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, don't worry about the ugly stuff. Yes, you have to address issues in your life, sure, but don't focus on the bad. Don't focus, oh, it's too many people today. They just get tied up and, the, and, and the, you know, they can go through exactly the same situation as someone else. And, the, and their attitude can be completely different. How many of you know people like that? You can go through the same experience. You can Maybe you went away on holiday with them and, I don't know, and they had a, they had a terrible time and you had an amazing time and you had the same experiences, but you were just looking at it through different lenses. Something has to shift in our hearts where we go, you know what? I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to choose to celebrate. I'm going to choose to rejoice always. And again, I say, I'm going to rejoice. Have a mini party about the little stuff in your world. It takes practice, though. Like it won't, don't, don't expect to face like a major trial in your life and be like Paul and just be like, yeah, I just rejoice in all things. You know, you've got to build your way up to it. It would be like running a marathon when you've never run around the block, right? Okay, you don't, don't, just, don't just face this massive thing and go, I'm going to praise God through it. No, no, you just need to start to praise God right now, right where you are in the little things that you are today, whatever you're facing, start to thank God. Start to celebrate Him. Is it good? So we need, to, we need to be obedient. We need to start just, just being celebratory in the little things. And then number three, we need to practice big celebrations. Big celebrations like baptisms. You know, every week we have a big celebration. It's called church. Uh, we come into this place and we praise God. We thank Him. And there is strength when we celebrate. And today, well, we celebrate, you know, three people whose lives have been radically transformed by the grace of God. There's something powerful in that when we celebrate. And we get strong, as, as we've talked about, we get strong when we celebrate. Show me a church that doesn't celebrate, and I'll show you a weak church. Show me a church that can't laugh and enjoy one another's presence, and I'll show you a weak, feeble, cowed church. See, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And that's why you need to get here every week. Like, there's an alarming trend in the West, and it's in New Zealand as well, that regular attendance to church is like once every two, three, maybe in four weeks. I'll tell you what, you're going to be weak in your faith if you only celebrate once a month. You, there's going to be a, come a weakness. We, we're called to be strong together. And that only happens when we come together regularly and celebrate the good things of God. I'm going to park that there. But beyond Sunday, actually, we need to get a bit into bigger environments where we can celebrate on a bigger scale. You know, that's why we, get, we make sure we book, book our tickets to Shout Conference in Auckland, uh, you know, a year in advance. We put it in the calendar because we know what that does, getting in that bigger space. Because I, I know you... You, 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 a lot of you probably realize, but Tamaru is actually quite small. And it gets a bit of a small town mindset. 
Yeah, and, uh, you, and if you don't realize that, it's because you've been in Tamaru too long. <laughs> you need to get out of there because you don't realize it. You've, the blinkers are on already. You see, we need to get out. We need to get into bigger spaces. We need to recognize that actually getting into those bigger environments builds our faith, extends us, grows us. Can I just um, grab Matt on the keys? Awesome. So next year, I encourage you, get into, get into Shout Conference. You can buy some cheap tickets today. And you might think, oh, it's too, it's too expensive. It's too far away. It's Auckland. I don't like Auckland. Um, but I tell you what, it's biblical to do this. Three times a year, the Israelites would drop tools and go and gather together in Jerusalem, and they would worship God. They would have a big party three times a year. They would do that. And they were based in an agrarian society where if they left the fields, well, there's nothing happening. No one's looking after their fields. No one's looking after their food. You know, if you leave your job, you've got annual leave. You still get paid. You don't, you know, your crops don't wither and die. Your livelihood's not on the line. But you see, what happens is when we get into that, when we put God first, when we trust Him to get into a bigger space, He looks after that stuff. It's, it's a matter of faith to actually go, right, you know what? I trust God more than I trust my finances. I trust God more than I trust my job and my annual leave you know, allotment. Actually, I'm going to get into that space because in that, I'm going to be changed. I'm going to grow. And in that space, you celebrate and you're going to get strong. You ask anybody who went to Shout Conference this year, and they will, they will tell you that their faith got stronger. They grew. Can I have an amen from the people who went to Shout? Yeah, they grew in their faith. And God, we've just got to make the effort to celebrate because it's a discipline. It's a discipline. I want to be in a church that every week we celebrate coming together. Yeah? Is it, is it just me? I, I, don't, I don't ever want to get into boring, same old, same old church. I think, um, yeah, well, I, I would quit. If that was the case, I could earn more money as a physio, so uh, I'd just go do that. <laughs> See, we, of course, we don't do it for money. We do it because there's a power in coming together. There's a power in, in, in this, us, the collective, the people of God, celebrating together. And it's so cool to be able to do that today. Today, Three people have drawn a line in the sand and they're saying, you know what? I believe in Jesus. I believe in what He did. And I'm going to follow Him wholeheartedly. And there's some amazing imagery around the baptism, uh, Paul. The, the idea that as, as you go under the water and you're raised again, it's just like Jesus went down into the grave. 